Father, we ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit and that you would work through Trevor to bring um, encouragement and all the other good things that we find in your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look today at the scriptures, and uh, we're going to be reading uh, from Hebrews chapter 3. We're continuing on that series. Um, last week, uh, Ian went up to verse 6 of chapter 3, and so we're going to really be focusing in today on verse 7 through to verse 19. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to just read from verse 1 of this chapter, because it, it's all part of the same uh, same thought, really. Um, and building on it. So I thought it would be best just to read that first, and then it'll just give us a context for what we're really going to be looking at today. So are you ready? All right, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were spoken sorry, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they will always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And, whom, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Well, may the Lord bless his word to us today. We already know... Um, Ian and I have said it a number of occasions as we've started and, and, and progressed through Hebrews up to this point, that this letter and these words, therefore, were written to Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And really what they are is they're in a, a call for an appropriate response to the incredible truths that we went through in chapters 1 and 2. And so the writer's 
focusing us back, pointing us back to those truths and calling for an appropriate response. And there's also this warning. So it's not only a call for an appropriate response, but there's a warning against an evil response of unbelief to the words that were spoken in chapters 1 and 2. And we see the writer here quoting from Psalm 95. And there's no doubt that this psalm was one that the the readers of this letter, the one that the letters were, letter was written to, would have known this psalm and been very familiar with it because being Jews, they would have been reading it in their synagogues, etc., all through their lives. And so they were very familiar with this psalm. And really, this is a psalm that describes this uh, sad state, what happened to the Israelites who were brought out of Egypt by Moses and were on their journey to the promised land and yet never made the promised land. The people that saw all the signs and wonders and the miracles in Egypt, they were the ones that witnessed the blood, uh, the water being turned to blood. They, they saw what God did in Egypt as He smote Egypt with those plagues. He, they saw the Red Sea being parted. Can you imagine that these people who witnessed all these incredible miracles of God, the, the manna coming down from heaven, the, uh, fire, the pillar of fire in the sky at night, the cloud that led them day by day, that saw Moses' face shine like the sun when he came out of the presence of God in the tabernacle. This is what these people had witnessed, and yet we see here that they never entered the promised land. Their bodies fell in the wilderness. And God was not pleased with them, and they were rejected by Him. And so we see there's a real warning that comes through this passage here today. And it's a warning given by the Holy Spirit to these Jewish people, these Jewish believers in Jesus that the, the letter of Hebrews was written to. And this is the warning. Don't do as your ancestors did in the time of Moses, or else you will suffer the same fate that they did. A very somber warning, isn't it? And that brings us to a question today. Can we say that this passage is relevant to us? Because this was written to Jews, Jewish believers. Can we just claim it and say, well, it's relevant to us as, as Gentile believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? And I think this is a very important question to ask. And the reason I ask this question is because there is a teaching going around in certain sectors of the body of Christ today that say the book of Hebrews is not applicable to us because we're Gentiles and it was written to Jews. And because we're not Jews, therefore, it has no bearing on our lives. And there's also teaching going around the body of Christ today that will say the Old Testament's not applicable to us. We need to unhitch Christianity from the Old Testament. We can't, it's not for us, it's not spoken to us, that's for the Jews. And so I bring up this question, can we say that this passage is relevant to us today? And the answer to that question is absolutely. But how can we be so categorical about it? Well, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul gives exactly the same warning, using exactly the same example of the same people to the Gentile church in Corinth. And I want to just read it to you today. It's like a parallel passage to what we've just read. And this one is from the Apostle Paul, and it's written to Gentiles. So it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 
verse 1 to 12. You don't mind reading the Bible a little bit? So this is what Paul says to this church, this Gentile church. He says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers, talking about the same people, the Israelites in the wilderness, all passed under the cloud, all passed through the sea, that's the Red Sea, were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place, notice this, as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. And we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now look at this, verse 11 and 12. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You see verses 11 and 12? What we see here is that God intends us as Gentile believers in Christ to learn from the triumphs and the tragedies of the nation of Israel. To learn about God through what they discovered about God as they journeyed through life. And as we look at the history of Israel, which is recorded in the Old Testament, there are lessons throughout the Old Testament that speak directly to us. Do you know that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament? He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can be instructed out of passages like Psalm 95, like the writer to Hebrews uses. And we can be warned and as a result, we can be made wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So what can we see? We see that this chapter, Hebrews 3, is just as relevant to us as Gentile believers as it was to the Jewish believers to whom it was written. We can take the truths that, are, that have been penned in this chapter and we can take them personally for our own lives. We need to be careful that we don't do as the Israelites did in the wilderness. That we need to be careful that we don't harden our hearts as they did. We need to be careful that we do not uh, have an unbelieving heart as they did. And that we don't shut out the voice of God in our lives as they did. What's the warning? If we do that, we end up suffering the same consequences as they did. And I don't think any of us want that. So, let me ask this question, because it says that they shut up their hearts. They did not listen to the voice of God. What is the voice of God to us today? You know, today so many people have this idea that the voice of God is this mystical thing that just sort of floats down and enters into our hearts or our brains, and that's the voice of God. And so often when we look at a passage where it says, don't harden your hearts or close your ears to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. 
you'll, he- you'll see people sort of thinking, where's God's voice? How can I hear God's voice? And I've spoken to so many people like that, that are looking for this mystical encounter with the voice of God. But let's ask a question. What was the voice of God to the Israelites in the wilderness that they didn't listen to? Was it some voice that just made them turn around and say, where did that come from? Was it a still small voice in their hearts? What was the voice of God? Do you know what it was? It was what Moses was saying to them. They closed up their ears and did not listen to what Moses was telling them. Because God's voice was speaking to them through Moses. And so that brings us to this place where we say, well, what is the voice of God to us today? And I want to just point you back to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Because the writer to the Hebrews tells us, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke, how did he speak? To our fathers by the prophets. Moses was one of those prophets. So what was the voice of God to the people back then? It was, the, it was Moses, the voice of God through Moses to them. But now look at verse 2. But in these last days, how has God spoken to us? What's the voice of God to us? He has spoken to us by His Son. Do you see that? Jesus is the voice of God to us today. And how can we know what Jesus Christ has said to us, what He has spoken to us? Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. This is what the writer says. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Look at this part. It was declared at first by the Lord... And it was attested to us by those who heard. In other words, what he's saying there is what Jesus said was heard by those that were with him, namely the apostles, and they wrote it down for us. What is the voice of God to us today? It's the New Testament. It's the record of what God has said through Jesus Christ, through the apostles, to us. When we open up this book and we read just like we're doing today, do you realize we are hearing the voice of God? We don't have to have a mystical encounter with God in order to be able to hear His voice because we have His Word right here on pages in black and white for us to read, us to understand, us to study, and us to take to heart. And this is so important because so many people today have lost sight of the fact that God speaks to us through His Word. And they are looking for some mystical encounter with Him so that they can hear His voice. I was in the United States um, last year, and uh, I I was preaching up in the northwest part of the United States. And a young man comes to me and he says, can I spend some time with you? And I said, sure. And so we sat down and we began to discuss some of the things of God, a really zealous man, zealous for the things of God, a real heart and a hunger to know God and to serve God. But I saw an issue. And you know what it was? This is what he was saying. He said, I just want to hear God's voice. He said, every day I wake up in the morning and I pray, Lord, can I hear your voice? And he says, I'm just not hearing God's voice. And I, I took my Bible and I said to him, are you reading your Bible? And he said, yes. I read my Bible. I said, that's God's voice. And in his mind, he had detached 
the voice of the Holy Spirit from the Word of God. He had completely detached the two. It was like when he read the Bible, he was reading something, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit speaking to him. And that is a huge, huge mistake. And it took me a couple of minutes to actually just try and work through his thinking to where he would actually realize that when he reads the Bible, he is receiving God's word. He is hearing the voice of God through the pages of this Bible. And I wonder whether how many of us here today have fallen into that same trap where we think that we're only hearing God's voice if there's a still small voice in our heart or there's a thought that comes into our mind or maybe it's an angelic visitation that we need or some mystical encounter, something out of the normal, when really here it is. Everything that we need for life and for godliness has been given to us in these pages. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said to Timothy, the Scripture, all of Scripture, is God-breathed, and it's useful for training and correcting and rebuking. And it said, training us in righteousness so that we may be equipped for every good work. Do you know what he's speaking about there? The sufficiency of Scripture. So when the writer here talks about us closing up our ears and not listening to the voice of God, he's just simply saying, we mustn't stop listening to every word that is recorded and written down for us here. We need to be students of the New Testament, and we need to understand what is written there, and we need to understand how it applies to our lives. And every time we do that, we are hearing the voice of God speaking to us. Isn't that an encouragement? All right. We don't have to be wondering about God's will. His will is revealed to us right here. Okay. So we need to take heed to the word of God that has been given to us. The words of the Lord Jesus recorded and penned by the apostles. And we must not like the Israelites. We must never doubt God's word. And we must never doubt Jesus Christ. And I want to just hone in on this. Because the Israelites, you know why they fell in the wilderness? They doubted Moses. They doubted what he was saying. And do you know what the temptation for us is? The temptation is this. That we will doubt the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why we see here in this particular passage, we see on two occasions, the writer says, uh, look at verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if, do you see that, those two little letters there? A little word, but with great significance. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. We are God's house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Let me ask you a question. Who is our hope? Jesus. He's saying if we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in Jesus, we are God's house. Look at verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ... If indeed we hold our original confidence, our original confidence in Him, firm to the end. And you know, this is particularly relevant 
in our lives when things are not going the way we thought they should go? When did the Israelites fall in the wilderness? When did they begin to grumble and murmur and complain? When did they begin to doubt? It wasn't as they came through the Red Sea. If you remember, they came through the Red Sea and they get to the other side of the Red Sea and they begin to play the, the tambourines and the women begin to dance and sing. There was joy in the, the nation of Israel because they had just seen this incredible deliverance of God. But as they progressed on their journey to the promised land and they started to face the trials and the hardships and the, and the, the, the slog of life as they were passing through that wilderness got to them. And that's when they began to grumble. That's when they began to complain. That's when they started to say, who is this man Moses? We, we were much better off in Egypt. And the temptation came into their hearts to turn around and let's go back to Egypt where we came from. I'd rather be a slave in Egypt than a pilgrim out here in the wilderness. And you know that that happens to us, doesn't it? It's when we're going through hardship. It's when life throws those curveballs at us and we haven't seen them coming, and they smack us in the head, and we're on the ground, and we're wondering what on earth has taken place. That's the time that we are tempted to let go of our confidence in Christ. That's the time we're tempted to begin to grumble, to complain, and to cast His words aside. And so this passage here today is really just an, an encouragement to us today, that no matter what comes our way, we need to trust in God. Hold on to our confidence in Jesus. Hold on to His words. Hold on to every promise He's given us in the Scriptures. Never let go of them. Don't, hold, don't, don't lose hold of the confidence and boasting that we have in our hope. Isn't that a powerful exhortation and an easy one for us to just forget you see, it's easy for us to praise God when things are going well. But can we praise Him when they're not? Can we still see that He's in control of our lives, that His hand is over us, that He is sovereign over us, that He cares for us and loves us in the difficulty just as much as He cares and loves for us in the good times when everything was good? He loves us just as much when financially we're struggling as when everything was prosperous. He loves us just as much no matter what the circumstances. Why? Because the circumstances do not dictate God's love to us. And they are not a measurement of God's love to us. What is the measurement of God's love to us? The giving of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. That's the measurement of His love. And so no matter what we're going through, if we can just look back to the cross of Jesus and we can see Him suffering for us, we will be assured in our hearts that God loves us, that He cares for us, that He hasn't abandoned us. He is with us. Isn't that wonderful? God is not a schizophrenic. He doesn't love us one minute and hate us the next. He's not for us today and against us tomorrow. He is always for us. And He always loves us. And so no matter what happens, hold on to that confidence in Him. 
And this brings me to another place. How often have we seen people going through hardship in the church and the next minute we don't see them in church and we wonder, where is such and such? And we begin to inquire and we find out, oh, they went through a rough time and no one in the church was there for them and they've become bitter and they've left the church and they're bitter with God and they don't even want to know anything about God. I don't know whether you've come across that situation, but I have multiple times, over and over and over again. And so what we see here is there's a, an, an exhortation that comes to each and every one of us here in this building today. And this is what this exhortation is, that we need to take care of one another. I just want to read it, verse 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you know that we have a responsibility towards one another? When one of us is going through a tough time, when one of us is facing a trial or a hardship, no matter what it may be, it is our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ to stand with that person, to take care of that person, to encourage that person, to walk with that person. And you know what that means? Sometimes we have to set aside some of our own aspirations and our own schedules And you know, this has been something that the Lord has really been dealing in my heart with over over a number of years, because I'm a very goal-driven person. And, you know, I set my schedule for the year, and I know where I'm going to be. You ask Gail, I know where I'm going to be in this month and what I'm going to be doing there, and everything is moving towards a, a goal. I have a task to do. And then suddenly I need to disrupt all my schedules and all my plans because somebody has a need. And you know what my natural inclination is? I can't do that. I'm too busy. I've got a goal to go to. We used to drive to South Africa. And this is when the kids were younger. And if you ask Gail, I would get in that car. We'd leave here, say, 3 in the morning. And we'd be on our way. And the whole way I'm... (laughs) I'm embarrassed by this, but the whole way I'm measuring I need to be in my stringer by such a time. And I've got to get there. And Gail would say, when are we going to get to Johannesburg? I'd tell her almost to the minute because in my brain I'm calculating out when we're going to get there. And suddenly Gail says, we need to stop. And I'm like, my schedule's thrown out now. (laughs) But you know that that's what happens in life. And we we need to be caring enough to put aside our schedules, to lay aside our goals, and to say, I'm going to go and help that person. I'm going to set aside that time for that person. We may have devoted some money to a project we're going to do. And, you know, we're committed to that, and we've set a goal for that. And suddenly a need comes up. Someone is in desperate need. Maybe we have to set aside that project for a little while and actually step in and help that person so that they can be encouraged in the Lord. And you know what? We as Christians, 
We have failed time and time and time again in this regard, haven't we? If we're honest with ourselves, we have failed so many times as the church. I remember talking to one woman and she said to me, you know, my, the people that I know in the world took better care of me when I was going through my difficult time than the people in the church. What an indictment on us. The ones who the Lord Jesus gave this new commandment to, and I just want to finish reading this in John 13, verse 34 to 35. And new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. This is the voice of God to us. This is Jesus speaking to us. This is the words that we mustn't shut our hearts to. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. How did Jesus love us? Did he not lay aside and take up that cross and suffer for us? And he says that's the way we are to love one another. Look at verse 35. By this, by what? By our love for one another, all people will know that you are my disciples. It's not through casting out demons. It's not through healing the sick. It's through our love one for another that the world will know that we are truly Jesus' disciples. It's if we have love one for another. And so I believe this is the strong word of exhortation to us today that as a church, as individual members of the church, we would care for people. When someone is going through a difficulty, let's enter into that difficulty with them. Let's walk with them through it. The Bible says this, if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. I stub my toe, every part of my body knows I stubbed my toe. My hand reaches down and grabs that toe and holds it tight, and everything stops because of the pain in that toe. And that's the same way that it needs to be for us in the body of Christ. When one member is hurting, we all hurt with that one member. When one member's rejoicing, we all rejoice. Do you think we can do that? Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word always speaks directly into our hearts and that through it we hear your voice. And thank you today that we've heard your voice. We've heard you encouraging us and exhorting us to hold on to you to never let go of our confidence in you, no matter what takes place. And we've also heard that clarion call to love one another as you have loved us. And so our prayer to you today, Father, is that this, these words would truly be taken into our hearts and acted upon, that we would never forget them, but they would be written on the tablets of our hearts and in our minds forever. So Lord, we commend ourselves to you that by the grace of your spirit and the work of your spirit, you would do this in us today. We thank you, Lord, for your incredible love. Amen.